Kathy Davidson, and I would like you to join me from here at Water of Life Church in Plano, Texas, as I minister the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus, which is the power of God. Father, I ask that you open our ears that we can hear. Father, I ask that you open our eyes that we can see, that you open our hearts, just like you did for Lydia, that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Father, I thank you that you turn us from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto you. And Father, I thank you for your spirit of grace. Father, let us only see Jesus. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you will turn with me to John 10. We're going to go over our verses quickly so we can get these in because they need to be said and they need to be on this tape. As I've said before, this program goes all over the world on shortwave radio. So what we do here is heard all over the world. And that grace is all over the world. And we are also on five radio stations here in the States. And I would welcome anyone that listens to these tapes that if you can and you have a computer, go to my website, kdwol.com, kd, Kathy Davidson, wol, wateroflife.com, and listen to these programs more than once because they won't happen in a day. Your heart can't receive it all at once when you're first starting. I know, it took me years, and I could finally hear, and that's what we want to do today. So John 10, verse 35, it's Jesus speaking, and it's a phrase in this verse that I get to. Jesus said, if he called them gods unto whom the word of God came, and here's the phrase I want to get to, and the scripture cannot be broken. The scripture cannot be broken. The word of God is alive today just like it was 3,000 years ago. That word of God cannot be changed. That word of God will be here after our world is gone. That word of God will exist forever. That word of God is Jesus. And if you can understand this verse, that the word of God cannot be broken, that means that if you set your faith, if you set your heart, if you trust in this word, it will, has to come to pass. It has to. Why? Because it can't be broken. That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. Now, let's go to 1 Peter 3, the reason for our program. I'm going to begin in verse 1. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. And it says, it, this states, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning. Don't let your adorning be the outward adorning. Don't let you be all pretty on the outside and ugly on the inside. That's what this is saying. Let's read that. Whose adorning, let it not be that adorning of plaiting of the hair and wearing of gold or putting on of apparel. And we say, well, that means we can't do that. No. Do you know what Solomon's wives look like? They were some hot chicks, folks. All right. But let it be the hidden man of the heart. Let it be the hidden man of the heart. That's where you want the beauty. That's where you want the beauty. In that which is not corruptible, not corruptible. 
even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of great price. So God considers a woman a great price, which, can, which is in a meek and a mild spirit. And like somebody said last week, well, do we have to be meek and mild when we're praying? Oh, no. No. We are prayer warriors. The meek and the mild spirit is walking in the gospel, walking with the troubles around you. But, oh, it's so wonderful to be five foot two, 110 pounds, and go after the devil with everything in you and watch him bow. That is so much fun. I want us to go to Luke 4. About that meek and mild spirit, when you get Jesus on the inside, and Jesus was meek and mild. When you get Jesus on the inside, that's when we get our meek and mild spirit. And you know what the wonderful thing is? You get the inside dressed up. You get that inside fixed, and it automatically comes to the outside. It goes to the outside. You can't help it. It radiates. It radiates. I've had my family look at me after being here, down here several years, and they say, you look better now than when you left. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Why? Because I got Jesus on the inside, and he's shining on the outside. Now, Luke 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus speaking. This is our Messiah, and he's talking, and he's preaching his first sermon. Now he's baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now he starts his ministry. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me. Look, the father sent Jesus to preach the gospel. And the father sent Jesus. Why? He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. What I love about this is it's obvious the father knew we had broken hearts. Because he sent Jesus, and for his first sermon, he says, I'm here to heal the broken hearts. What a wonderful thing to hear, that Jesus was sent to heal our broken hearts. So the Father, God, Jehovah, knows we have broken hearts. To preach deliverance to the captives. Well, then he knew there were those of us captive. He knew there were those of us that are captive. You know, some are captive with drugs. Do you know what? The Father sent Jesus to deliver you from the drugs. He didn't send you like we found last week. He didn't send Jesus to condemn you. He sent Jesus to save you. And now he knows that some of us are held captive. And you know what he did? He sent Jesus to save you. He sent Jesus to save you from what's got you captive. The next, and recovering of sight to the blind, being blind physically, and that is also being blind in the spirit, not understanding what's going on, not understanding why you're in the position you're in, not understanding why it doesn't work. You know what? The Father sent Jesus to open your eyes. That's why I pray that. When God opens your eyes and that word of God becomes alive, becomes alive, Not a Sunday school lesson. Not something you have to memorize. When that word becomes alive, it starts working in your heart. And you overcome what is against you. Even your voice. It says to set at liberty. To set at liberty. He sent Jesus to set at liberty them that are bruised. 
You know what? There have been words that have bruised us. They got deep down in us and they bruised us. And you know what? God knew it. God knows it. That's why he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to save us. He didn't send Jesus to destroy us. And he didn't send Jesus to condemn us. He sent Jesus for one purpose, saving you. Now, turn with me to Isaiah 52. We are going to preach some of that gospel. And we're going to look at today what Jesus did on the cross for us concerning healing. And not only on the cross, but what the Father had Jesus do. When you see that everything, everything that Jesus did on this earth was part of a deliberate plan by God. It was a deliberate plan. Nothing happened to Jesus that was happenstance. Everything was deliberately planned by the Father. Everything. And why? We just read it. Jesus was sent to preach the gospel, to heal the broken hearts, to heal the bruised, to liberate, to open our eyes. That's why Jesus was sent. And every act that he went through was for us. It was to get us saved. And you know what the wonderful thing about the word saved is? It includes healing. It includes prosperity. It includes peace. That saved includes anything you need. That's what Jesus was sent for. So Isaiah 53, I'm going to go to verse 4. And this is Jesus on the cross. Isaiah prophesied this 700 years before Jesus even showed up. 700 years. And Jesus walked this to the letter. And you don't think God had a deliberate plan. Everything was mapped out before he even came to the earth. And it was all in the scriptures. And it was all for us. Isaiah 53 verse 4. Surely, surely he has borne our griefs that were to sickness. Surely, not maybe, surely. The word of God cannot be broken. And you're wondering what's going on with my voice. The devil doesn't want me to speak this. And I'm going to speak it anyway. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. That word is pain. Surely when Jesus was on the cross, he had our sickness and he had our pain on him. Not only that, he had my sickness on him. And he had my pain on him and who put it there the father and why did the father put it there for you for me he came to save and the way he was going to get us healed and the way he was going to get us with no pain with somebody was going to have to take it for us and God sent Jesus God sent Jesus and I want to say this it would have been like I said before it would have been fine for Jesus to come to the earth as an angel or as the God that he was in heaven and heal everybody that came to him because that's what he did. Everybody that came to Jesus got healed. It had been fine for him to do that as an angel. It had been fine for him to do that as a God. But he had to be a man for this. He had to be a man for this. That's why he was a man. A man had to take your sickness, and your disease. 
A man had to take your sin. A man had to take it. God can't hold sin. And a God can't be sick. And a God can't die. And neither can an angel. That's why God made Jesus a man. And he said in Hebrews, I has prepared me a body. A body. Why? So he could get sick with our sicknesses. And he could get pain with our pains. And so he could take on our sin. He had to be a man. And he had to feel every bit of this. Not only that, he had to die. He had to die. A man had to die to fix what a man messed up in the first place. Adam. A man had to die. You can't kill an angel and you can't kill God. You can't. A man had to die. Oh, thank God he became a man for me. Thank God he became a man for us. Now, it says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Oh, devil, I just love this. Now, turn with me to Isaiah 50. This is one of the most beautiful scriptures I have ever read. There are days when I meditate on Jesus on the cross. And he was absolutely grotesque. And he was absolutely so hard to look at. But it is the most beautiful picture you will ever see. Why? Because that's me up there. He did it for me. Now, if you will go with me to Isaiah 50, verse 5. This is Jesus prophesied by Isaiah 700 years before he got here. And the wonderful thing is about this, Isaiah prophesied exactly what was going to happen to Jesus. And it's actually, if you know Peter, it is Jesus speaking through the prophet Isaiah. And he's talking about himself. And he's using Isaiah's mouth. And he's using Isaiah's heart. And let's hear what Jesus said. He said, the Lord God has opened mine ear. And I was not rebellious. Do you see those beautiful words? Jesus is now a man. And he said, and I was not rebellious. I didn't run away from what God had me to do. I was not rebellious, neither turned I away back. I gave my back to the smiters. I gave my back to the smiters. They didn't force him. He gave his back to the smiter. He did not receive the 40 lashes minus one that the Jews gave. He did not get that. These are the Roman soldiers. Totally different group. He got the Roman scourge. He did not get the lashes the Jews gave. He got the Roman scourge. And we're going to take a look at that scourging here in a moment. He said, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. It says, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. I will not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like flint, and I know I shall not be ashamed. He gave him his back. Now let me describe to you the Roman scourge. It is not a whip that the Israelites, the Jews used. The Roman scourge was 
a bunch of ropes, short ropes, not long, short. And in those ropes, and they were leather tongs, they tied pieces of bone and they tied pieces of metal into them so that when they hit your back, it cut it. And it cut it deep. And they did not have a rule in their law that said you could only strike them 40 times. That's the Jews. The Romans could hit you as much as they wanted to. Their law did not stop them from going and doing anything they wanted. Jesus took the scourge. Turn with me, Mark 15, 15. And so Pilate, so now he's not in the Jews' hands. He's in the Romans' hands now. And the Romans were a lot more cruel. He said, and so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. They scourged Jesus. Now I want to read to you a history account of a man that, was, that wrote back in the 300s when they were still doing this to the Christians. And I want to read you a short paragraph of what that man wrote. The guy's name is Eubias Pomphalius. He wrote the history of Christianity back in the 300s. And he wrote about the scourging. He's talking about the Christians. He said, they record the events which beheld the rest of the martyrs, the martyrs, and describe the great firmness which they exhibited in the midst of their pain. For they say that the bystanders were struck with amazement when they saw them lacerated with scourges even to the innermost veins and arteries so that the hidden inward parts of the body, both their bowels and their members were exposed to view. Now, God reveals to me things in pictures. And he revealed to me a picture of a man, scores. And it was as if his back was peeled away. And you could actually see the intestine. And you could see the veins and the arteries, the layers. That's what Jesus took. That's what he gave his back to the smiters to do. He gave his back. Don't ever forget that. They didn't take it from him. He gave it to them. And he gave it to them for you. He gave it to them for you. There, there is where your sickness and disease was paid for. Go back with me to Isaiah 53. For surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And this next phrase, and with his stripes, with his stripes, we are healed. With his stripes, we are healed. That's where cancer went. It went on the back of Jesus. That's where tuberculosis, venereal, any disease that we have, any sickness went on that body. And that scourge paid for it. Paid for it. Look at those verses. Meditate on those verses. That's where your sickness was paid for. It was paid for. And it was paid for dearly. 
Now, turn with me to 1 Peter 2, 24. Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus came, said, by his stripes, we are healed. Peter picked it right up. Who his own self bear our sins on his own body on the tree. Peter watched him. He saw what he looked like when he came out of the Roman hall. That scourge was so bad that Jesus didn't make it all the way, carrying his own cross. Somebody had to carry it for him. You know why the Romans scourged you before you were crucified? So they wouldn't have to wait days for you to die. You went to that cross half dead already. You went to the cross half dead already. Jesus took the scourge. Somebody carried his cross for him. And then they nailed him to the tree. Our sicknesses and diseases fell on that body. That's why every bone was dislocated. That's why he was marred more than any man. It wasn't what man was doing to him. It was what our sickness, our disease, and our sin was doing to him on the tree. And he took it. And he gladly took it. And he set his face like flint. And he stayed conscious. And he wouldn't let go of his spirit until everything that he needed to do for you was accomplished. Made sure everything was accomplished on that tree. Including your sickness and your disease. By his stripes you were healed. Peter's looking back at the cross. Isaiah was talking about present tense. Peter watched it happen. Do you know it's already been done? Do you know your sickness has already been paid for? Do you know your pain has already been paid for? And then you say, well, okay, how come I'm having such a hard time? I'll show you. And this so blessed me. I want us to go to Romans 1. We walk in the gospel. It's not Instant perfection. It is not instant perfection. I'll show you right here. Romans 1 verse 16. This is Paul speaking. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not afraid to trust in it. He said, for it is the power of God. There's where your power is. Your power is in the gospel. Jesus walked in that gospel on the earth. That's why he could heal. All that he healed, the father working in him. Jesus couldn't do a thing. That spirit in him could. Why? Because the gospel was coming. Because the payment was coming. Now, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed all at once. From faith to faith. You won't start healing by healing cancer. You will start walking with God and healing the flu. It is faith to faith. You don't start walking in prosperity, getting a million dollars. God walks you. And you know what the wonderful thing is? God walks you. God knows you don't have it. And he walks you. Jesus leads you. And he will lead you into Perfect healing. He leads. And it starts with the small things. And then it gets more. And then it gets more. Well, what if I get really sick? You go to the doctor. You go to the doctor. Doyle has preached here from the beginning. 
you go to the doctor. And like I say, you go, but you go believing the gospel. You don't go to the doctor just giving up with no faith. You go to the doctor in faith. And God will meet you where you're at. He meets you. That's how much he loves us. He meets us where we're at. Turn with me to Romans 12 2. I'm going to read it real quick. It says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You don't start perfect. And God knows it. He wrote it right here through Paul. You begin with the small things and then they get larger. I remember the first time God directed me about healing, I had the flu. I was in Richardson. Kristen, my daughter, was just born. Oh, I had the flu. And I sat down in a rocking chair and I said, okay, maybe this stuff is real. I'd been going to Water of Life for a little while. And so I sat in my chair and I started binding witchcraft. I bind you. I bind you. I bind you, you witchcraft. I bind you. Five minutes later, I stopped and I went, oh, my Lord. I'm not sick. I mean, I was perfectly healed. Nobody was more shocked than I was. You know what? The next time, it wasn't so easy. Why? Because the grace, God's saying, come on. Come on, believe. Come on, believe. You start small, and you get bigger, and you get bigger, and there will be a day. There will be a day when you will walk in perfect health. I had several women, one week, same time, two or three were going to surgery for the same thing. They messaged me. They were nervous. They said, I just don't have the faith for this. I said, I understand. Actually, one said, it's just not working. I said, well, have you ever been able to heal yourself from flu? Well, no. Well, don't think you can do this then. Humble yourself and let God meet you at the doctor's office. Thank God for doctors, for those of us that are learning. Because one day that doctor is going to say, I don't need to see you anymore. I watched God heal a man that was on dialysis. Urologist went to him one day and said, it's amazing. It's a miracle. I don't have to ever see you again. God healed him. That's what we're after. That's why we lay down our life. That's why we get rid of the flesh. That's what we're after. But you know what? You can't even start this until you are born again. Jesus said you must be born again. Your church didn't say it. Your religion didn't say it. A organization didn't say it. Society certainly didn't say it. Jesus said it. And if you call yourself a Christian, you have to listen to the words of your Savior, Jesus. And Jesus said, you must be born again. How are we born again? You go in prayer to Jesus and you say, Jesus, Come into my heart. Take my life. And when you say those words, when you call on his name, he is obligated and happy to come into your heart. His spirit will come into your spirit and you will be alive. And your eternity in heaven starts right there. There's where you are walking toward heaven. The moment you make Jesus your Lord and he comes into your heart. Amen.
Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the Ministers of Music from Water of Life Church. She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kd at kdwol.com. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, Post Office Box 861-327, Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kdwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.